Welcome to the Preacher and the Catcher podcast, a show designed to make you think. This isn't a religious show and neither is it a sports show, regardless of what the title might suggest. These are real conversations that everyone should be having. No topic is taboo and every perspective is explored. Now here's another great episode of The Preacher and the Catcher. Well, it's the holidays and we are home for the holidays, literally. <laughs> Even though our guest doesn't look like he's at home. Um, but but we'll get to that in just a moment. Brian, this is the Preacher and the Catcher, just in case you didn't recognize this luscious, velvety teddy bear voice. I'm the Preacher and right, that is... And I am the Catcher and I don't have a, a, a lovely Christmas tree in the background like you do, so you're a little more festive than I am. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas here. Yeah, I hope I hope one of those stockings has my name on it. Uh, you you could either be you could either be daddy. <laughs> I'll be daddy. You be daddy. <laughs> I can do daddy. I'm good with that. Um, man, I tell you, so much has happened since the last time we talked. I feel like we say that every time, but literally, there is so much that's going on in the world. Uh, COVID update just as of today, things are getting worse in the U.S. More than 3,000 people died yesterday from the coronavirus and almost 107,000 people were hospitalized. Um, both of those were record numbers. Um, I saw- We will be, and we will be over 300,000 people dead by the first of the year, which is ridiculous. Um, so, but just the the reason why we try to keep it upbeat on this show because if we stay in that space too much longer, it gets depressing. So, but we yeah. got to acknowledge, you got to know what's going on. You have to. I, I I saw a post today that I thought was interesting just to, you know, kind of help keep things in perspective. And it talked about the deadliest days in American history. Uh, number one, the Galveston hurricane, 8,000 people mm -hmm. died in a day. Um, Antium, uh, 3,600 people died in a day. September 11th, uh, 2,977 people died in a day. Then number four, this is going in order. Number four, last Thursday. Number five, last Wednesday. I mean, it, yeah. if you're not careful, you will just like I did. And it's not a laughing matter. So Forgive me if, if I offended anyone just with a light chuckle there, but just how they put it. Last Thursday, 2860, 2861. Last Wednesday, 2762. Last Tuesday, 2461. Last Friday, 2439. And then number eight was Pearl Harbor at 2403. Right. And so certainly yes. And, and just and just so we 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 date this, we still have a leader in the White House that is talking about his election and has zero to say about the virus leading this effort to try to get it stopped or anything. And this is how, this is how we've been functioning for the last year. So just yeah. to, just to annotate that um, it's, we're in a bad place. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's lame duck in every sense of the, of the word. I mean, during, during this, and I mean, you really can't say it because you're right. It has been that way 
for longer than his his post losing uh, reelection efforts. But um, you know, one thing that we can certainly say is that brighter days are ahead, and uh, we are optimistically hopeful uh, for the next administration to be able to do some things, kind of get this under under control. But on the horizon, basketball, the NBA preseason starts tomorrow night. And let me just tell you something. Uh, though there will not be any um, uh, uh, fans in the Staples Center this year, at least until further notice, per Jeannie Buss, uh, one of the greatest uh, owners in our sport, we are thankful for Lady Buss and, uh, you know, the world champion Lady Buss. Uh. Um, you know, I just feel so good about us going into this next season and our repeat efforts, LeBron James, you know, signed another ex contract extension, uh, $85 million or something like that. A uh, Anthony Davis. I mean, you know, we talked about it last week. I won't bore you with the details again this week. Thank you. But, 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 what, but one thing we will say is that uh, I'm going to continue to champion this cause for Rob Palenka to win GM of the year. I'm good with that. I don't think I have any, any, uh, I think even Magic Johnson would sign off on such a, on such, on such a, such a statement. I mean, he's just done a great job. He's done a great job. So I'm good with that. Let's, let's, uh, let's bring your guests in the conversation so he can chime in and tell you how, how bad it is that you've been a Laker fan for all of two years. Well, and now all of a sudden you're singing the praise of Jeannie Buss every day. Listen, now see, if, if you know my story, you know that's not true. <laughs> but we won't belabor the point there. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I want to present to some and introduce to others uh, one of my very, very, very dear friends. Um, he, he has an eye like nobody's business. I am telling you, in the world of photographers, uh, being able, like, he is the essence of the phrase that a picture can say a thousand words. David Johnson and David Johnson photography, his creative uh, approach to the projects that he works on is just unparalleled. I mean, when I get serious clients and I'm able to afford him, I bring him in and he does some amazing work. Um, and he even, even has, has just come in on GP because he loves me just that much and has done some and has captured some of the moments <laughs> that we've done here in Detroit. But I want to introduce to you uh, the founder of the True Chicago, soon to be national movement. Uh, and he's gonna tell us more about it. Ladies and gentlemen, David Johnson and the crowd goes wild. <laughs> wild, wild, big, Thank big crowd. You. Thank you for, for having me on today, guys. Hey, man, uh, thank you for coming on. Um, and man, Corona has been good to your hair. Hey, you know. <laughs> I, I wish, I'm trying, but it only goes so far. This Brian, has stopped, Brian has stopped trying. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, man. No, I... I um, I appreciate it, and I would have to agree that I don't think um, I don't. I, I, it's hard for me to jump on um, that that length that Laker uh, 
full-on bandwagon. Well, you don't have to. Thank you. Thank Nobody you. Thank you for pointing out the obvious. Thank you. <laughs> listen, I listen. just so what, what's always what's always a, a a very big implication for me for any teams. You know, for me, I'm mainly focused on basketball and football. But any teams where someone um, invokes the word we. <laughs> like we attach because we, you know what I'm saying? We is is not just me. We is like my family, my wife, my children, we. And so the we's that I attach myself to, it's like I feel like you have to be very careful because LeBron has been a we with dang near every team in the country. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, that's your that, boy talking about you too. Your boy's for calling you out. Basketball. I like it. It on the, how many time zones? He's covered all the time zones. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> just saying like his kid, like his kid's Arcadian rhythm is off because of how many teams right. he's on. I'm sorry. Right. right. I'm and now, sorry, and now he's trying to be like now he's trying to be trying to be like Kobe, giving his number to 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 his teammate. And now he's gonna come up with a new number. You know, so can he be original one time and do his own thing? I'm sorry. I, I, I invited the wrong David Johnson. I, I meant to get Pastor David Johnson <laughs> from Kingdom Covenant Church uh here in Detroit. He was gonna be the guest. Or David Johnson from Mercury Sound. I do know a lot of David Johnsons. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm I'm a I'm a diehard. At the end of the day, it's it's Jordan, and I know we agree on that. Absolutely. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's like LeBron said himself. Like when when he was asked about Jordan, is he's chasing the ghosts, you know? And I feel like on the one hand, I really respect it, but. I've always been a team fan more than I've been a player fan. And so I can't just, I respect LeBron and like, you know, it's, it's like the Kobe thing. Like I hated Kobe and then he died and I cried like a baby, you know, you know, you know, and, I mean, listen, and I would do the same. If, if, if anything ever happened to LeBron, I, I would be a mess. Like, I, I don't believe you. I don't believe. It. <laughs> yeah. Moving on. Moving on. Moving on. Moving on. Um, um, uh, hey, David, yeah. I got just to kind of get us warmed up here. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Google just released their top trending searches for 2020. Okay. Um, do you know what the in, in the category of news? Can you name one of the top three? One of the top three uh, top top searches in Google in the category of news either you matter of fact let me do this as a game just to get us warmed up johnson okay. versus johnson so brian okay. you don't know this dave you don't know this all right in the category of news can can either one of you give me one of the top three google searches for 2020 um, corona david johnson um give me something other than coronavirus man um Three seconds. Yeah. Home cooking. All right, Brian Johnson, you win that round. Number one was election results. Number two was coronavirus. Number three was the stimulus check. <laughs> I was gonna say stimulus. <laughs> that's the first thing I was gonna say, and then I was like, oh no, that's. Not all right, all right, all right. So then, with regards to people, 
can okay. can can uh, top three Google searches for people in 2020. Brian, okay. since you won the last round, we'll go with you first. For people, top Google searches for people. Joe Biden. David? Well, you can't even beat that because he was the number one search person in 2020. Joe Biden, Kim Jong-un, and Kamala Harris. Kamala was, Harris. Kim Jong-un? Yeah, he was number two. Yep. All right. Good David, I'm, David I'm, I'm going to throw this to you for, so okay. for you to go around. Category is TV shows. Top three TV show searches on Google for 2020. Okay. One um, of the three. Last Dance. Uh, Brian? Uh, TV shows? TV shows. Top search TV shows on Google for 2020. Uh, hmm. Three, two, one. Got I anything? I can't even think of one. All right. No, nothing. Mm. Number one. Number one is Tiger King. Number two was Cobra Kai. And number three was Ozark. Oh my goodness! Who, who looks up those? Who, who looks up Google for TV shows? Uh, a lot of people. Um, let's so so. Um, hey, this category is how to make. What were Give can can how to make? <laughs> how to make? Like make it do it yourself. Okay. How gotcha. to make? David Johnson, you first. You can be one okay. of the top three. Um. How to make 2020. Um, how to make in three, two cocktails, Brian Johnson. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, how to make bookshelves. Oh, you guys are all popular choice. No, number one, <laughs> hand sanitizer. Number two. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Number two, a face mask with fabric. And number three, uh, whipped coffee. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Let, me, let me just give you, <laughs> let, let, let's do one more. Let's do one more. Um, <laughs> top Google search in 2020 for where is? Brian, I'll go with you first. Oh. Oh. Um. Where is three, two, one? Angola. And David Johnson, five. Uh, polling place or outdoor dining? I mean, you just go to Google and say, where is fill in the blank? I know, I just said polling place. Oh, polling place. Okay. Both of you are wrong. That's number, a good one answer. An, number one ah. answer. Number one answer, where is my stimulus money? Number two answer, where is my <laughs> refund? Number three answer, where is Kansas City? Yeah. This was a big money year. People wanted to know, where is my money? Show me guess so. the money. David Johnson, we got you here. You are yeah. not only a photographer extraordinaire, you do some amazing projects. I love the work that you do globally. Uh, but I also love the work that you do right there in the city of Chicago. We're going to pivot to true Chicago in a minute. But I want to, but I want you to talk to me about some of the cool things that you're doing for some of the organizations right there in Chicago. Um, I mean, I've heard of them. I've heard of some of them from you, but go ahead and talk to us about some of the recent things. You were doing something this past summer for Black-owned restaurants. 
Yeah, so um, I got a call um, from an ad agency here in the city um, interested in doing a project called One Chicago. Um, and the whole idea was to help um, one of the, uh, I, I signed an NDA, so I can only tell you so much about this until it comes out. Well, it's um, not even out yet, I'm sorry, okay. Yeah, no, 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 there's, I have, a, I've, there's a few projects that we could talk about, but this one in particular, um, it was connected to the tourism arm of Chicago. So um, all of Chicago and all of, you know, most metropolitan areas have a tourism arm. And um, so basically when you come to Chicago, you would look up this website or go onto this Instagram page and you could find out where to go eat, uh, where to go see a show, where to go, you know, do something fun, whatever. And um, they were interested in, in raising the representation and the awareness of black and brown owned businesses. And so I had gotten that call about, you know, taking pictures um, of um, some of those organizations and some of those restaurants. And the interesting thing was, is when I went on to the website uh, to look at, you know, the places already represented, there were none. Um, there were basically, if, if you're familiar with Chicago, it's very, it's a very segregated city. Um, and so most of the black and brown owned communities are on the south and west sides of Chicago. And um, the main highway artery that comes into Chicago is uh, the 290 expressway. So everything south of the 290 expressway um, had no representation. And so this whole project was about um, photographing and putting on the map quite literally some of these restaurants and organizations. You know, what's really mm -hmm. amazing about that is because I even think about here in Detroit, uh, when I look at, you know, different restaurant review sites like Yelp or just other places like that, you know, a lot of the photographs don't really tell the true story of the delicious experiences from a food perspective that you would even you know, have at these restaurants. I mean, most yeah. of them are kind of curated by the, by the, by the rate, by the restaurant patrons who don't right. necessarily give the best representation of, of, of the food, but it's always good to be able to have the, 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 the restaurant owner, uh, you know, portrayed in a way where uh, it, it gives them the best light. Uh, I'm getting a phone call from Steve Andre. So if he's in that office with you, tell him I'm on a podcast with you right now. And I can't <laughs> <answer the phone. laughs> <laughs> but no, that's great, man. So um, uh, True Chicago, if we can pivot to True Chicago, talk to us about True Chicago and what True Chicago is and what it's doing. Yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day, True, True Chicago started because I wanted to figure out how we could make a space where young creatives and young artists um, could not only find uh, education and mentorship, but a chance, really, a chance to uh, take that next step in their creative career um, or get the chance to even start a creative career in the first place. Uh, when we started out, it was primarily uh, around 20 to 35 was the age range that we were um, servicing. And now, um, in the last year, that's moved to a target range of 15 to 25. Um, when I first started as a photographer, 
I had, I was, I was probably about 23 years old when I first started and I had a, um, a creative director who worked for Motorola at the time, who basically just saw some of the, you know, photos that I had taken, you know, what, when I was between classes at college and stuff. And he gave me a chance. He, he put me on like an actual photo shoot just because he thought I had, um, the ability to, to have success. I didn't even know what he was putting me on for, but that one job wound up turning into um, about a year and a half campaign that I did with Motorola. Um, wound up getting some photos in Times Square and you know doing all kind, traveling all over the world, literally. And this was like my first major project. And then that turned into a whole career. I used that and leveraged it as a portfolio to, um, to get other clients. But I say that because none of that was possible unless someone who was already established went out of their way to take a chance and a risk on me. Mm. And I started to realize how uncommon that was. Um, that most of the time when people kind of made it, especially in the creative industry here in Chicago, it was about just adding to my own personal career. Now, all my energies went towards that. But my thought was, is what if we could do this for thousands of young people every year? What if we could make a space where someone was encouraged to take a chance on them? Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, David, when, when you decide, when you thought about starting True Chicago, what was your pitch to people to get involved? What, what was your what was your way of getting them to understand what your vision was and your, you know, your, your, your elevator speech in a sense, yeah. I get the story behind it, but how'd you get people to say, Hey, that's something I want to do too. Yeah. So for um, the leadership and the folks who have really um, created the, the mentorship education part of it, uh, we have, those have all been folks um that are industry leaders in whatever creative field that they're in. And the way that we've gotten them to get involved is really just posing that same question to them is who gave you your start? Like who right. gave you your chance? And cause I, I mean, I'm sure if I asked you guys that you, you think of people right away. Oh, this person, you know, so-and-so called me up, had my shot. They were patient with me. They gave me some instruction. So really, it's just appealing to the fact that this, this, um, this kind of selfless investment is one of the seeds at the heart of everybody's success. That no one has success without somebody's selfless investment, whether, you know, be it a parent, a teacher, you know, a mentor, whatever. That's good. I got the, I love the term creatives. I'd never seen that before until I was poking around your website. I love how that just kind of encapsulates everybody in the creative space. I, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. So how do, do you do you set, do you identify certain folks and put them with the right type of mentor? Or is that, how, how would they go about doing it? If I was a young, say, uh, muralist or, or a singer or an actor, how would I, I would reach out to True Chicago and how would I, if I'm in Chicago, how would I get, paired up with somebody that would be beneficial for where I'm trying to go. That was a good cross section of creative, by the way. Um, 
the the muralist artists all of that i think really it's we invite them into the space that's kind of the top of funnel like we have a, a creative conference every november that we've done for the last four years and um we'll also do socials and we'll also do workshops and so specifically the workshops that we do are specifically around um you know we'll have a writing workshop we will have a branding workshop we will have a photojournalism workshop we will have um you know a communicators workshop we'll, we'll have workshops that focus and dial in on those things and then we really encourage um, anyone that we bring in to speak, uh, and this is what I would say is one of the differentiators that we have with True Chicago is if someone's going to come and invest in our community as a leader, you have to you have to make yourself accessible. Access is a huge thing for us. Like we want you to be able to access. You know, there's no. When we bring in someone for a conference, we're not putting them on stage and then just sweeping them to the to the green room. They have to stand in the lobby and talk to people. You know, they have to yeah. do a Q and A session. They have to be willing. So from from that sort of mentality and that culture, what's happened is young people have started to get portfolio reviews in major ad agencies. We had a girl who came to volunteer at one of our conferences um, who was a sophomore exchange student from Guatemala. And she came, she's a design student, and she was wondering like, hey, I would love to be able to show my book. She asked me, and I'm like, well, I'm not a designer, uh, but come out to this conference. She comes to the conference, meets a senior art designer from Leo Burnett, the largest ad agency in the world, and got invited just from sticking around to ask questions, got invited to show her book um, to that senior art agent. So really that's the kind of space that we're inviting young people into. You know, David, awesome. I love it. I, I absolutely love it because you are, <laughs> um, what's, it, it's, um, you, are, you are creating a lane for you to give back to your generation. And when I speak of generation, not just talking about your age group, but I'm talking about people like you in your industry, in your ethnos. Talk to me a little bit about your eye. And I wanna specifically go here with it. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah. when I look at your photographs, this was from, you came into town, you surprised me when we were doing a peaceful protest uh, here in the city of Highland Park back in June. And yeah. uh, you just, I mean, what goes into just capturing a moment like this? It, I mean, if someone, it's almost like, it, it can almost appear as though some of these things you staged because they're so perfect. Like, how do you capture these moments? And like, even like placements, like to look between this person on the right and that person on the left to get that person kneeling with the hand raised and the George Floyd sign. Like, how do you, how do you spot these things? I mean, this yeah. was, 
I mean, absolutely amazing with the cop car in the back. And I mean, you yeah. got several iterations of this one because I just loved it so much. But like, what goes through your mind to say that's a shot? Yeah, yeah. This is uh, a shot. Like, how do you do that? So, <clears throat> one, I think it comes from um, when you're real young, somebody has to teach you about important moments. Like, I mean, we have a, a one-year-old and a three-year-old and one of the things that we're trying to do is like, you know, trying to help them understand when you talk and when you don't talk and when you go say thank you and when you, you know, all of these different things, you, you teach your children how to recognize moments. And for me, that was always more visual. Like it was always more uh, visual for me to understand what a moment was. And so some of that are things that I started to learn way before, um, way before I even picked up a camera or even knew how to use a camera. And so I would say the camera just kind of became a tool for me to really speak the visual language that I speak. Um, and well, if you stay at this one, um, Basically, yeah, this one right here. Yeah. So what I would say is um, I, I went through this stage where like when I discovered photography, I didn't want to put the camera down. All I wanted to do was, you know, I had literally a camera in my backpack everywhere I went, in my car, wherever I went. And always, there was always a moment to take pictures. Um, and I got better by doing that. And I would say, you know, any young visual artist, yeah, you want to create as much as you can. Um, but I had this one moment where I went to India uh, for a project, and it was actually with our mutual friend, Steve Andres, who's been um, a mentor of mine uh, for years and years. And on the last night that we were in India on this project, um, we all went out to dinner to celebrate the fact that we were done. We had been there for about two weeks. And I was bringing my camera and he goes, well, why don't you just leave the camera? Cause we're, we're, we don't really need it tonight. You don't need to take any. And I was like, but I mean, what if something happens and I want to take pictures of it? And he said, sometimes your picture, he, I'll never forget this. He's like, sometimes it's better to leave the camera at home. And I was like, well, you don't know me. Like, <laughs> it's never better for me to leave the camera at home. I might mess around and take the best picture ever taken. Blah, blah, blah. And that was my mindset. It was very confident. Like I can create great pictures. Um, but a couple of weeks after that, I decided to, you know, take him up on that. And I probably didn't touch my camera for a couple of months. It was one of the hardest things that I've done. But what started to happen was I started to, at first I would get this urge, I'd see something and be like, that would be a great picture. And I wanted to take the picture and didn't have my camera. But then I started like over time to just interact with those moments or just appreciate those moments without having to stop them. And what I realized was my appreciation and ability to recognize and my sensitivity level to these moments that mattered the most was increasing and so when i did pick up the camera again all it was was pressing the button when I, when i felt that feeling of whoa there's a moment and 
here's the thing. I, I don't I mean people are are the the thing for me that create the most meaningful moments. And so I, I had another mentor that said people are books with skin on. And so when you think of that, like that. every person is, a, is like a walking book. And so this, this particular picture, um, uh, was his name Jefferson? Yes. Yeah, Brother yeah. Jefferson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just remember, I remember seeing him at the protest and he was on his bike and he was kind of, you know, just kind of hanging out and like, I kept looking at his face and it was like, there was a history written across his face. You know, I was like, now this guy has seen a few things and been a few right. places. And He's an amazing guy. Yeah. And so it, for me, it's like, sometimes that's something that will just jump out at you. Then other times it's something that you kind of need to find, but it's all in the sensitivity of realizing and really having a reverence for moments and having a reverence for the fact that I here's a guy that I don't know, but there's something here. And I want to figure out how to communicate to the people that didn't get to see him that there's something there. Does that make sense? It makes all the yeah. sense. In the hey, world. Can it, let, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, let me ask a question. So per Steve Andrews's uh, suggestion to leave the camera alone or leave it down that time, was he also speaking to you as far as saying, participate in the moment instead of documenting it yeah was no, he trying he, to encourage he, you to, to, to get there too? on me because he wanted to just have me at dinner to laugh hang out joke around enjoy the time conversation but for me i was like okay how can i add to my portfolio <laughs> yeah yeah because i think yeah. that's the danger a lot of times especially with visual artists there's this sense of like almost like uh, like hunters almost like hmm. I, I need another, I need another kill that I can take back and add to my collection. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That I can put on my wall. Mm -hmm. You know, I think even to that same point, Brian, it's kind of where I was heading, but on the flip side of it, you know, it's almost like when you take away something, something else gets a higher level of sensitivity. So yeah, yeah, good point. One thing that I have learned from I remember talking with a friend of mine uh, who had a blind mother, and, and and he talked about because she could not see her hearing was impeccable. Oh, yeah. um, you know because because her hearing became that much more in tune with surroundings to more or less compensate for what she lost by her inability to see. And I think that's kind of what happens even in giftings is that we get an opportunity where uh, the very thing that we're gifted at, if we, take a, if we take a moment, step back and don't do it, it will, it will create a heightened level of sensitivity in, in an area that when we do pick that thing, pick that gift, pick that bat, that ball, that camera, that microphone back up, it can be yeah. even that much more dynamic because you've learned to operate in that space without the actual tool, if that makes can sense. I, can I add one thing to that that sure. I especially learned during the season of COVID? Um, one of the photographers that, that I really um, look up to, his name is Platon, and that's not to be confused with the bike Peloton. 
um, but Platon, he talks about stillness and the importance of stillness. If you are still within a place, it will reveal itself to you, basically. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's different than if you were to, you know, go to a park and run around the park and, you know, talk to people at the park, than if you were to sit on one bench and just all of a sudden watch the faces of the people and watch the shape of the tree and watch the colors and all, all of a sudden things start to reveal themselves to you in a way that you wouldn't have seen. Um, and that's one of the things I've really been learning during the season is what does stillness bring out of a moment rather than me trying to conjure something up in a moment? Mm. That's good. That's good. Um, so, you know, you're doing these great things all over the world, different companies. I won't go into naming them all, but I mean, you're doing some impressive things. Um, and then the philanthropic piece with True Chicago. How has this pandemic impacted your work? And, um, you know, I mean, this is how you feed that beautiful wife and those two beautiful children of yours. I mean, how, how has, how has, you know, the, 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 the global state of, of coronavirus impacted the work that you do? Yeah, well, I mean, that's, I feel like it's the million dollar question for everybody. Um, you know, I think it's, I think it's kind of cycles where it, it almost starts as like you, um, I think there's, I, 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 I simplified it. I said, there's two kinds of people um, as far as quarantine and COVID is concerned. There was the there was the person who attacked the moment and, you know, as stuff started to happen, like trying to react and trying to see, you know, new ways to create and new ways to work. And then there was the person that kind of went into hibernation <laughs> and was like, I'm not doing it. Don't call me. I'm not helping. Um, don't cough, you know. And I would say at first, I was the first person like trying to run around, see what I could do. Um, but then I hit a wall. And that wall was the realization that um, I had basically been looking at the beginning of 2020 as probably the best year I was ever going into. Like, and I'm, I mean, financially. And then within the matter of a month, all of that disappeared like shoot after shoot, project after project just canceled. And when I talk about hitting the wall, it was very much the realization that I was like, whoa, um, I am gonna have to make that call um, to my mortgage lender and say, yeah, I'm, 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 gonna, need a, I'm gonna need a month. <laughs> I'm gonna need two months or, or whatever um, because cash flow got crunched like overnight and reserves got, you know, depleted like very quickly. And in a way where, you know, I realized I was going to need to go beyond just what I could do basically. So I think that for me that that turned into something where I started getting a little bit innovative and, and started to think about, you know, how can I re-engage my clients? I had, so my biggest client um, for the last four years has been Microsoft. 
and I had two major shoots scheduled with them and they just disappeared overnight with all of the other cancellations. And so we just started to like figure out uh, how else can we work together? Um, and so we came up with shooting, um, you know, in studio spaces where instead of shooting, if we, if we had a group shot, instead of shooting all five people at the same time, we would shoot one person at a time and then like use mannequins and a green screen to stay socially distanced. So it was like all kinds of like new ways of approaching things to still be able to work. So I would say it's still been a really difficult year, but if you were to ask me today, um, I feel like it's going in a good direction. You know, you got to learn how to be creative, even in creative spaces. I don't think a lot of people really realize that, uh, you know, creativity is a gift, but you have to be creative with your creativity um, because, you know, you can't just rely on the, the creative uh, ideas of yesterday. You, you, have yeah. to, you have to maintain that edge of being, uh, you know, it's a, a line from forward, the Ford brand, forward thinking. Uh, in everything that you do in this day and age, because it is everything is changing and it's changing every day. Yeah. Everything is changing and it's changing every day. And so it 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 uh, it certainly is incumbent upon people like yourself, but all of us, to kind of really think on our toes and be very very nimble uh, with our skill set, with our approach, with with our minds and how we think about things. You know this is the time to really kind of hone in on that particular tool. Well, this has been great. Brian, you got anything else from your side, man? No, I'm good. I'm good. I like to keep picking on you with the Lakers and all that, but I think we, 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 we did that pretty good, but uh, no, we, uh, we appreciate Dave coming on and, and telling us about true Chicago. And I lived in Chicago with my wife for 10 years before we moved to Detroit. So uh, well versed on the area. Uh, we were on the near, uh, no, where were we? We were right down by University of Illinois, Chicago. Wow. My wife is in, uh, at, in medical school at University of Illinois, Chicago at, uh, at the hospital down there. So we were at Harrison and Ashland, right down there. Yeah. And uh, West side there. Yeah. Yeah. We, love, we used to live up by Wrigley too, off of Addison. But um, yeah, Chicago's a great place, great restaurants, the water and, and uh, the beach and all that. Uh, being a California kid growing up in the Bay Area, I got to have water around me if I can, if I can, uh, if I can make that happen. So Chicago is great for us. But yeah. uh, we appreciate hey. you being on. Yeah. So David, one last thing: I, I, is there any is there any thoughts about uh, duplicating the efforts of True Chicago in other uh, creative metropolitan cities? Yeah, True I, Detroit. So for real. So, I mean, this is something that is obviously not a new conversation, but I mean, the whole idea, the goal for 2020, even, I mean, before COVID happened, all of that was to figure out, you know, how do, how do we, how do we transplant this formula into other spaces? Because at the end of the day, the same um, ingredients that go into make true Chicago happen exist in just about every major city. You have young people that have incredible creative talent that may not have access to the resources to cultivate that talent. And then you have creative leaders 
that have been able to, you know, get some good chances and find success and have wisdom to share. And really those are the main ingredients. Um, and so we would love uh, to, even in 2021, we would love to um, look at, you know, having a few pilot programs in uh, places like Detroit, uh, places like um, DC, places like Oklahoma City. Uh, these are all, you know, spots that we have partners that we've been talking with. And so um, the, the quote that I live by when it comes to True Chicago is that at the intersection of your giftings and the needs of others, you find the seeds of your calling. And so for me, I'm interested in bringing that intersection, bringing that collision for incredibly talented artists and um, the young people that really need that wisdom uh, because I really think that there's calling in that. And yeah, I think, I mean, really the, the creatives are, are the culture makers in our society. They're the ones who kind of are, are taste makers. And so if, if they can have it in their mind that part of their DNA should be to invest that talent, not only in themselves and in a big organization, but to invest it into their community. I think that that's when you see, start to see some real change. What's fat milk? Fat milk. My guy, Tuan, who's, uh, he is, Tuan Nguyen, he is, um, he's actually the senior um, art designer that I was telling you about from Leo Burnett. And he is also um, the artistic director for True Chicago. And he started a Vietnamese coffee company from his uncle's coffee farm in Vietnam. So no Fat Milk, go check them out on IG. It's incredible, tastes incredible here in Chicago. Wow. I I like mean, everybody you I know like has it. a story, David. <laughs> Everybody we all know has a story. <laughs> you know what I need help with? I need, I need, I need, I need help with somebody helping me find my story so I can tell it. So that, so that people like you, when you talk about me, you got something to say. Hey man, love you. Thanks for being on the preacher and the catcher, and uh, we appreciate you stopping by, man. Thanks for uh, filling us in on all things David Johnson photography and true Chicago. I'm sure some more great things to come for you. I will say, go, go, go check us out um, at truechicago.co. Uh, that's on IG and truechicago.co is, is the website. And then for me, you could just find me DW Johnson photo on IG. Awesome, man. Thank you, David. Great. Appreciate great. you, man. Hey, Appreciate listeners, thank you all so very much for being with another episode of The Preacher and the Catcher. Uh, it's always a joy for us to come to you with uh, uh, interesting people, profiles, and positions. And uh, we hope that we don't make you mad by some of the things that we say. Uh, but it's always good. <laughs> it's always good for us to have engaging conversations uh, that we can always walk away uh, a little bit more uh, smarter, a little bit more wiser, a little bit more empathetic and understanding about somebody else's point of view. Today wasn't necessarily those conversations aside from the fact that Brian has a long way to go in that because he does not respect the Los Angeles Lakers, but <laughs> we are going to still pray for him and that he will come That's right. into the knowledge of the truth. 
Brian, <laughs> always a joy to be with you, man. It's always a joy to be with you. Thanks for checking us Good out. Good to be with you, you God. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Preacher and Catcher podcast. Before you go, we'd like to humbly ask if you might take a little time to like us on our Facebook page, The Preacher and the Catcher. We would also appreciate it if you might offer a positive review on iTunes or wherever you receive your podcast. If you would like to send us a message, you can use our email address, which is contact at thepreacherandthecatcher.com. If you would prefer to send a tweet, you can find us on Twitter with at PreacherCatcher. Lastly, we would like to thank our musical director, D. Duran Goff, and our producer, Drew Michael, and Branch Creative Studios. It has been an honor to have you here with us. We hope you come back for another one of our podcasts soon.